This podcast is sponsored by Podbeam. Podbeam is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbeam to host the Classic Gaming Brothers. Download the free Podbeam podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in just minutes. Podbeam provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbeam app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbeam at www.podbeam.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. My voice cracked when I did that. We are yeah, the Classic th- Gaming Brothers. <laughs> that's all right. I think I said Seth. I didn't even finish the H, but anyway, that's Seth. all right. Seth. Seth, the, <laughs> I'm uh, Seth. the Egyptian god. <laughs> yep. Welcome to our 90th episode. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. That snuck up Whoa. on us. So our 90th episode, we're not going to do anything special, but I feel like as we get farther and farther away from zero, the numbers become less important because it's just a weekly episode. And I feel like episode tracking is just for us versus the fans, because I know that our fans don't listen to every episode anyway. It's like, uh, whose line is it anyway? Where the numbers don't matter. And just like pretty much everything, right? Everything's made up and the points don't matter, which is, I mean, that's life, right? That's life, really. Yeah, I've, I've, I've said that to somebody before. They're like, "Why does life work this way?" And I'm like, oh, "Everything's made up. Points don't matter, <laughs> except your credit score. That matters." Everything in life is only for now, except for death and paying taxes. So, Seth, speaking of life <laughs> and paying taxes, <laughs> and paying taxes, tell me about your life. Oh, it actually kind of is relevant to death and taxes. I have been playing recently a game that I actually talked about on my Byway Pass uh, many episodes ago, and it's a game that I saw at PAX multiple times, and that game is Forgotten City, and it was uh, developed and published by Dear Villagers. Now, this game actually was just released July 28th of this year, 2021, and as I stated before, I, I saw it in packs a couple of times. I think I did also not talk about this game correctly when I talked about it before. I said that it was a Skyrim total conversion mod, and that was a lie. And I, I, we don't like to lie on the Classic Gaming Brothers. So let me correct the record here and say that there was and is a, t- a total conversion mod for Skyrim called the forgotten city and it was a very popular mod it was so popular that they made it a real game and they built it in the uh, unreal engine this game that is available on steam is not a total conversion mod being sold to you on steam it is a built game by the same people who made the total conversion the mod for skyrim but they both have the same name they're both forgotten city and they have the same plot and that plot is you wake up on the side of a river and you meet this stranger Her name is Karen, actually, and she doesn't want to tell you her name initially because of the negative ramification of the name. But anyway, (laughs) you meet this lady named Karen, and she's looking for a guy named Al, and you're not particularly sure how much you care about either of these people. 
but you're going to look for this guy named Al. Anyway, so you go into these nearby ruins that happen to be like a Roman ruin type deal, and you eventually fall in a pit, and you end up in this underground city. In this underground city, there are all these statues that were like, they're locked in like terror, and they are made out of gold, kind of like Midas. In the beginning, you're like, oh, these are all these nice statues, and then you realize, oh, these are not nice statues. These are people frozen in internal torment. You eventually find a portal that brings you back in time, and you end up in a Roman city that is buried deep underground where 23 people live, three of who are missing. And the best part is there is a rule. And that rule is if one person sins, everyone dies. (laughs) So you are essentially a time traveling detective who have to figure out who... Raul Montan? I'm really tempted to rewrite my, re-roll my character and call him Raul now. Ah, Mr. Montag. Mr. (laughs) Montag. Anyway, you are a time-traveling person who is hired to investigate uh, a future crime, kind of like Minority Report. <laughs> oh, fun. So you have to figure out who's going to sin and stop them from sinning. Also, there's not a really good definition of what sin is. That's kind of the whole thing, right? <laughs> well, so they they live in a Roman time, so they have their own definitions of what sin is based yeah. on ancient Rome. But you are from modern time, and sometimes things that they did in ancient Rome might not necessarily match up with what we do today. So anyway, regardless, it's a... It's a so far, really great, like, whodunit, story-driven game that's got some, like, action points, but it's very um, open-ended in regards to how many different endings there can be and kind of, like, trying to figure it out. My thought right now is that I'm probably going to go, I'm going to finish my playthrough right now completely blind and just kind of experience it. And whatever ending I get, I get. And then I'll, I'll probably uh, go back and replay it a little more structured. That's how I play my games, structured. I'll have to check it out. That game was also on one of my buy weight passes and then you stole it from me i did but i i truly loved it first since i saw it at pax before you did so the game that i have recently been playing is actually a game that we saw at pax and also we kind of got from pax but not really so it's a game we talked about already we actually did an entire episode of our indie dev lounge our first indie dev lounge about it and that game is called trophy which was developed by gradual games alongside the 6502 collective which are a homebrewing group of people they do homebrews for not like homebrew beer but they do homebrews for video game systems like the nintendo entertainment system uh trophy as we mentioned in our indie dev lounge is like a Mega Man platformer you play as a robot and you go around blasting other robots and uh saving the day as robots do or as this robot does the robots don't save the day always. I, I mean, the robots you destroy are the ones who are not saving the day. <laughs> They're ruining the day. But it, it is very Mega Man-like. Um, a lot of the platforming elements and the combat is is very reminiscent of Mega Man, as well as the difficulty of the game, which it is a pretty hard game. Also, I'm bad at video games, especially Mega Man, so that has I've got that going for me. But um, yeah, I just I was in the mood to play it again. It's been a while since I last played it, almost I think a little over a year. So I wanted to give it a shot. So I boosted up the I booted up the uh, copy that we were provided by um, Gradual Games, and uh, I gave it a shot it was good times but uh yeah that's a trophy which i believe is available to purchase through the 6502 website but let me double check yeah we actually talked about it in our indie dev lounge episode our first indie dev lounge episode we uh we talked about it and it was uh developed by the 
uh, yeah, Gradual Games with 6502 Collective. And 6502 Collective are uh, friends of the show, as is uh, Soul Goose Productions, who I don't know worked on Trophy. I think he worked on something else. Uh, but yes, you can pick up a copy of Trophy from the 6502 website. Currently, they are selling really beautiful looking blue cartridges for the original Nintendo for $60. So if you want a physical copy of Trophy, you can grab it from 6502's website which is 6502collective.com they also have a couple of their other games there such as lizard and rolly and they have a kickstarter for something new yes yeah they're always putting out something new so their kickstarter is anguna a-n-g-u-n-a scourge of the goblin king which is a brand new action adventure game for the nes which is being created by ebd holland and uh published i by the 6502 collective uh they they are working hard on it it is not available to back uh however i'm sure there'll be a backer kit and uh early backing as well so today we're going to be talking about video games um some of the video games we're talking about were released some of them weren't because today we're talking about prototype games Ooh, yeah games that were in development and maybe had a version of them leaked at some point yeah it's going to be kind of a common trend in today's topic was that the game was in development and was leaked we did do an episode about unreleased video games which were games that never made it out yes and we will be talking about some games that were unreleased in this episode but we do talk more about games that did get released and had prototypes available and that are still available floating around on the internet but yeah so in in a previous episode like seth mentioned we did talk about unreleased games um and this is kind of a follow-up so i think we said in that episode as we usually say we'll come back to this topic and look at that we're back we're coming back to the topic but yeah we want to talk about prototype games that exist for games that have either been released or not released and if you don't know what a prototype game is take the word prototype and then take the word video game and then that's what it is it's exactly what it says on the tin a prototype is usually the basics of an idea forming together it is the genesis of something there was also a game called prototype which this is not about yeah i was trying to look up just like a list of prototype games and i got all the copies of prototype that are available on different systems it's a fun game not what we're talking about today we're talking about prototype games not the game prototype and like a lot of things video games movies mankind things take time to develop they they go through stages and it can really vary for every game i was looking up some just like modern statistics and it seems like in the modern days the average AAA game can take about three to five years to develop this can vary however and most casual games will take less time sometimes about a year maybe six seven months depending on you know how simple the game is yeah it's uh, there's there's even some things like game jams where people develop a game over a short period of time itch.io does a lot of game jams where you yeah. may do a you create a game in like two weeks it's not going to be call of duty but it might be fun every game is different and times vary but um every game no matter the game goes through a development process and usually there is a point where the game stopped being a concept on paper stopped being that idea in your head and started to manifest into some physical form be it um you know design work in like a computer program like cad or something like that you know designing physical 3d models or as some form of code artwork as well artwork as well and again this could vary for every game but at one point in a game's development there will be something called a build which is usually a functional version of some kind 
of that game. A build can be anywhere from just a test of the graphics functionality, a simple gameplay mechanic, or even something a bit more structured. Uh, so, for example, some example of builds are just sometimes the sprite moving because they need to make sure that the sprite moves correctly or the 3D model moving where like it, you need to make sure that the legs and the jumps are, are looking like they should be looking. Now, as the game progresses, you would iterate on that original build and you would have multiple iterations of these builds until a final game is released and with uh, larger projects you may have different teams iterating on different builds themselves so you may have like the art department iterating on builds that are going to be the eventual uh, design work for the 3D modelers. Uh, the 3D modelers may be building specific different uh, type of character animations, and there may be iterations of those character animations. There may even be builds of the, the story where the, the writers will build upon the story and refine it. And as any creative process goes through, there is a rough draft, and that rough draft gets honed and edited and, and eventually gets to completion. However, sometimes those rough drafts don't make it to the final product. For one reason or another, it doesn't get out the door. Some examples uh, of this are like games that get canceled because the studio closes. <laughs> yes, and yeah, yeah. people are all laid off. And if there's nobody working on a game, then it's not going to progress anywhere. Or sometimes the studio may just cancel a game because maybe the sales from the first game came out and they were like, wow, nobody liked this. Why are we making a sequel? Let's cancel it immediately. Or there's like um, unmitigated circumstances like when Sonic Extreme was going through development as we talked about and like a majority of the people who worked on that got ill eventually they had just had to cancel the game because it was taking too long to develop right so a lot of these builds would not be accessible because they would be built on the hardware in the company and you would need that specific cartridge or CD-ROM that had that build on it in your system to play it However, here comes emulation. Emulation is using software and using game software and mixing them together to be able to play games on different systems that necessarily shouldn't be played. Uh, for example, you can get an emulation software. Uh, a very popular one is called SNES 9X. And SNES 9X allows you to play SNES video games. And it emulates an SNES system. And you can essentially, there is a way where you can extract the ROM information off of a cartridge and put it in as software, since ultimately, and run that software through an emulator and play it on your computer or your Raspberry Pi, all from that original cartridge. So let's think about that. If you can do that off of finished software, you can also probably do it with unfinished software. So it is possible to run prototype games on original hardware, though without having access to an emulator, usually people outside of developers wouldn't necessarily get that chance because the developers aren't releasing prototypes hardware to be played on those <laughs> hardware. And development kits and cartridges are often, if they do get released, are very expensive because right. they're very uncommon. Also, majority of development cartridges end up getting wiped during development for example on some nintendo 
development cartridges for like the Game Boy, it looked like a Game Boy cartridge with a big open spot where you literally just stuck in ROM chips and you would just remove the ROM chip, throw it away and put a new one in. So in the rare occasion that someone left a ROM chip in and it got out there, then that might be how the game gets leaked. And we're not going to beat around the bush. There's also legal implications for this. Yeah. (laughs) So for example, prototypes are generally become known because of criminal action. So if if somebody steals a prototype cartridge, then yeah, you can probably play it on the original hardware, but you have stolen a cartridge. But the software is a lot easier to leak than a cartridge. And that happens. And that happens to this day. An interesting type of prototype, type of prototype, an interesting subtype of prototype, I guess, that exists is for a game that is 100% finished, released, but it never gets localized. Now, localization is when you take a video game from, let's say, Japan, and you bring it to the North American market, and you localize it and make it so that the North American consumer can play it. Now, localization is different than translation, as in if you take, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, video game or any sort of product that is just translated to a different market may fall extremely flat because word translation is just the taking of the words that are there and translating them. Localizing is taking the words that are there and then remaking the context so that it makes sense again for that user and possibly changing things to localize to the market. I think one of the best examples of this is the popular, and by popular I mean it's kind of a mediocre game, but Zero Wing, which was released in Europe, was a shooter game that was originally from Japan. And when it was brought over to Europe and released in England, it was translated, not localized. So some of the dialogue changed to things like, all your base are belong to us, which became a meme because that's a funny thing to hear. But that is a, that is due to a direct translation, not a localization. And localization can change the context of a game entirely. For example, if there are things that we produce in the North American market and we localize it to the Chinese market, uh, it has to go through censorship. Right, yeah. And it, certain things have to be removed from games in order to be able to be sold. Same with the, even the Australian market. There's some heavy censorship when it comes to violence when, or it could get banned. So you would need to adjust your game and localize it for the culture that you're selling it to. Uh, An example of a game that was 100% finished, released, but never localized was Mother, which was released in Japan in 1989 for the Famicom system, which was an RPG developed by Chigasato Itoi. The game was set in a contemporary setting, different from other RPG titles at the time, and you took the role of a young American boy by the name of Ninten. Now, Ninten's hometown is attacked by a paranormal event that he must save the day from. If this sounds familiar, it's because the North American market would eventually get the sequel to Mother as the SNES game Earthbound. Now, the Famicom game Mother went through localization for the North American market, but was never released due to a variety of factors. One major factor was that RPG titles didn't always really sell well in the United States. So they started going through it, but then uh, essentially maybe the juice didn't equal the, you know, the, the juice didn't equal the squeeze, and they ended up halting the production because you're going to take on the cost of localization, you're going to have to take on the cost of production and shipping and moving those units and that's where you're really going to start eating your costs away so you can localize the game and then decide you know what never mind 
these RPGs aren't really selling well. Let's not let's not produce and ship to the North American market because our cartridges will just sit over there. Yeah, and localization takes time. So for for a game to come over to the United States and start going through the localization process, it could take years. And and to be honest, I believe another factor with Mother was that by the time they were ready to release it, the Super Nintendo was due to come out. Then what's the point? You're going to release a game for an obsolete system and lose that huge chunk of sales that you could have gotten if it came out just a few years earlier. The localized version was eventually leaked at some point in time and circulated the internet as Earthbound Zero, which eventually made its way to various reproduction and bootleg cartridges, which we talk a little bit about in our bootleg episode, but it's essentially when you take that ROM information, which is the video game itself, and you put it onto a cartridge that is not owned by Nintendo. Now, talking about criminal action... Uh, an example of criminal action that is one of the reasons why we have some prototype games is is actually related to Sonic the Hedgehog 2. During production of the game, I, I just want to first clarify this. When Sonic 1 came out, it was a new game. So there, we unfortunately don't have a lot of prototypes of Sonic 1. There is at least one that was confirmed to be a prototype that came out just this past year. Because the game wasn't anything people were really excited for because it was a brand new game, those weren't really well archived. However, Sonic 2 was a very hyped for game. Everyone wanted Sonic 2. So, during production of the game, an early build was shown at the New York Toy Fair in 1992. While it was being shown, someone stole the New York Toy Fair copy and ran away with it. And, a few weeks later, copies of Sonic 2 showed up in different black market um, sellers in various countries so this game that hadn't been released yet was all of a sudden available through these kind of shifty sellers that are selling things on the street or in, in little shops. And that's because the stolen copy from the New York Toy Fair got duplicated and was sold as a bootleg. Now this version that was bootlegged is missing a lot from the final version of the game. It's The, the title sequence is entirely different. Um, certain levels are either missing, unfinished, or completely inaccessible. Um, there's actually some levels in this build that were never released for the final version. The levels were completely cut out of the build. Genocide City? Like Genocide City, or uh, Hidden Palace Zone, or Wood Zone. And it also contained assets that would eventually be removed from the final product certain enemies and such were either remade or just completely deleted now the bootleg prototype that was distributed through markets did have some people kind of mistaking it for the real deal i mean people were buying this game probably parents not really sure buying it and bringing it home in some cases it was people buying it because they just really wanted sonic 2 and there's stories like this all the time there's a story that comes out of china about someone who wrote essentially harry potter fan fiction as a book and sold it on the market before the release of the fifth book when there is when there was a need for something people try to make do now the rest of the world mostly went unaware of these events in north america especially and in parts of japan in, in japan uh the bootleg wasn't as available so it kind of remained on the down low and sega wasn't like openly disclosing being like oh yeah that copy that we showed got stolen <laughs> like, like sega's not going to make an announcement about that they, that's not on that's not for us to know but in early days of the internet simon y who was a uh 
guy who liked Sonic games and liked playing video games in general, was exploring a Chinese ROM website when he stumbled upon a dumped ROM of this bootleg. The ROM wasn't named anything in particular when he found it. He would go to these websites and there would be these massive lists of like ROMs from the day. And it'd be like someone would go to a bootleg market, buy a bunch of games, dump every ROM, label them the date they dumped them, and then repeat the process. And people still do this. Um, There's a website I found that archives a bunch of Russian bootlegs and it literally just archives them by the date they're bootleg they're they're dumped. Now he was going through this list, he booted one up. And then the Sonic 2 music started playing. And he was like, whoa. Now, by this time, Sonic 2 had already been released. I mean, this is like the 2000s he finds this. But he was like, this looks entirely different. Different title sequence. The animations are different. What's this? And people realized that this was a prototype. Now, this prototype is commonly referred to as the Simon Y prototype. Reason being is Simon Y is the person who was <laughs> identified it. He found it. And uh, it dates somewhere in early 1992, with the final version of Sonic 2 being released in November of 1992. We know that it probably dates at least a few months before November, based on the kind of progression of prototypes that we now have. But it really did showcase a lot of things that were cut from the final game. And I think it's this kind of cool piece of history despite the fact that it was obtained through illegitimate means which i mean and it simon didn't obtain it through illegitimate means no he just downloaded it from a website which i guess (laughs) like i mean it's kind of like that degree of separation for a museum right you know right the museum didn't illegally acquire it they got it donated by this collector where the collector got it who knows? But now Sonic may be certainly one of the more high profile type of events that we have in regards to prototype findings. There were some other games that made it to the bootleg market from a leaked prototype. So example, around 1994 or so, a bootleg copy of Street Fighter 2 appeared in some parts of the world. This version appeared to be titled SF2 Turbo and appears to be a fairly well-designed version of the game that was unique from the already released Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition. The reason it appears so well designed is because it is it was a beta version of the canceled Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition for the Sega Genesis. Capcom had planned to release Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition on the Genesis after they launched the game in arcades. To do this, they outsourced the project to a different team. Funny enough, Capcom had an exclusivity deal with Nintendo for Street Fighter 2, but they considered Champion Edition to be its own game. And thus, not a breach of contract. Now, in 1993, Sega and Capcom officially announced their partnership, and Capcom would start a Street Fighter game, and Sega would create a six-button controller. And around this time, Capcom announced Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting, which was going to be set to release on the SNES. Turbo was slated to be released after the Sega version, which would have made the Sega version instantly inferior. So, Capcom of Japan ended up pulling the plug on Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition and opted to make the Genesis port in-house and later released as Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition. This version incorporates elements from both Turbo 
and the Champion Edition. However, somewhere along the line, a copy of the prototype for the previous version was leaked and was sold as a bootleg in various markets and was sold all around. If you got lost about what I was just rambling on about Street Fighters, this is really what you can take away. Capcom iterated on the same game but declared them separate games in order to avoid contract issues. (laughs) Yeah. And one of those games got leaked and was not a game that would ultimately be released. However, it was similar to all of the other games that they released because once again, Capcom was trying to avoid contracts. And you know what? Good for them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could get away with it, skirt the letter of the law there. Well, we're going to probably finish this off by talking uh, about some games that don't make it to market. And also, um, we'll, we'll talk about a game that does, but it did like ages later. But some games never make it to market, either as a final game or as a bootleg. Um, one example is Akira for the Sega Genesis, which was canceled before its release. The game was to be based on the famous anime of the same name, Akira, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. It's uh, set in like a cyberpunk future, except I think it technically takes place in like early 2000s now. But it's uh, like a cyberpunk world where this guy starts developing weird psychic powers, and that's all I'll say. Anyway, they were developing a game It was going to come out for the Sega, and an archivist named DRX, who actually is very well known in the archiving community for these prototype games, found a prototype build of the game on two unwiped PCBs and was able to dump the ROM to be played. Now, as I mentioned, sometimes prototype development software gets out, This can happen for a wide variety of reasons. Stolen, someone forgot to return the equipment, or occasionally, and very somewhat infrequently, but it does happen, it gets sent to a magazine for review. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll send a review copy that is based on a old build of the game for images to be used for marketing. This is kind of an old way of doing it. I mean, now nowadays, you know, people send press kits and stuff that have probably already screenshots set but back in the day one thing they would do is they would just send a development cartridge to the magazine the magazine will take their own pictures and send the cartridge back sometimes they forgot to send the cartridge back or sometimes they just didn't send the cartridge back and what would happen is people like the editor who worked on that story might have the cartridge sitting somewhere in his attic and then one day he donates everything from his attic to a goodwill and then someone at the goodwill finds a prototype of sonic the hedgehog (laughs) you know stuff like that can happen stuff like that has happened in this case Someone found two unwiped PCBs of the Akira game, and DRX was able to dump them and get them running on modern emulators. The game was developed around 1993 by a company called Black Pearl Software. It features kind of a wide variety of gameplay for a game of that time. Uh, Based on the prototype that was released, there were driving sections where you play as Canada, who's one of the main characters, and you drive around on his motorcycle. There's a first-person level where you play as Tetsuo, who's the guy who gets mutated, as you're escaping from a hospital, which is a really kind of gruesome scene in the movie, but they turned it into a first-person segment for a Sega game. There are some other action stages where you play, again, as uh, Canada, and you explore the sewers, and then there's kind of what looks like almost tactical RPG strategy level where you play again as Tetsuo and you fight the military. So it was almost like the game had different styles of gameplay and it was split up into these different kind of 
styles to to kind of represent different parts of the movie and do different story beats the prototype is unfinished and it's not able to be completed so you actually have to use cheats and stuff to get around the levels and you have to use a built-in level select to get to the level you want to try you can't just play through the game like you would a normal game as it is a beta a prototype all right now the piece de resistance the piece de resistance this game is the reason why we're doing an episode on prototype games so let's think about seth needing to edit a podcast and while he's editing a podcast and by editing i mean i'm listening i don't edit zach does all the work but so i'm listening to a podcast because i need to listen to it before you listen to it and i need something to do with my hands so i need to play a game right so i need to play a game but i also don't need to play a game that has a lot of sound because i'm listening to the podcast so i boot up my this is also during the time that my computer was down so i had my raspberry pi so i boot up my raspberry pi and i start looking for a game to play and i find a game called swamp thing in the sega genesis section now the swamp thing is a ongoing comic series in the dc universe which was originally created by the late comic book writer and legend Leonard Norman Ween, now better known as Len Ween. Now, Len Ween was on a subway in Queens, New York, and was thinking about a character and a, a story about a creature from the swamp, like a swamp thing. And he would tell people that he was working on that swamp thing idea and that's how the thing got its name because eventually they were like i guess it's just called swamp thing now the original drawing was done by uh, bernie wrightson who designed the original visual with lens directions now we are not a comic book podcast so we i won't go into further more detail about swamp thing but <laughs> we we are comic book fans swamp thing is certainly a thing right it's it's a long going series for sure and multiple writers and artists who have written for swamp thing have won awards in and we've had writers like alan moore write for swamp thing and it is an ongoing series with having a new series in the dc universe released earlier this year in march so it's not like it's a forgotten character or anything like that to get back to video game talk let's set the scene 1982 there's a live action film for swamp thing and then 1990 there was a live action television show based on entitled swamp thing and then in 1991 of course since you've had a movie and you had a television show you know what you gotta have cartoons and video games so in 1991 there was an animated television series that was released called Swamp Thing, and there was a creation of some video games in the same year. Now, these games were released on the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Game Boy. Now, the NES game was developed by Imagineering, and the Game Boy game was developed by Equilibrium. Both of these games were your classic platforming type games where you play Swamp Thing, and you're jumping around stages, and you're punching people or throwing swamp sludge, I guess. They both played differently, but similarly in that they were both platformers, and they were both not really received well. They People didn't really like these games. They had complaints about the gameplay and uh, the music. But now I said that the games were released on Nintendo and Game Boy. However, I found a game in the Genesis. So there was a game titled Swamp Thing that was created at the same time for the Sega Genesis. But it was canceled. So how was I playing it? Well, in 2010, the old website, Sega Age, released the prototype game. And this prototype game is is rough and also very very weird and i think it's hilarious i say it's 
mostly hilarious because it's just like the way the game is presented is just so strange. It, it's not it's not really a platformer as there's not a lot of platforms that you jump on. It's more of like a beat em up game with a twist. I but I'm just not calling it a platformer because there's not a lot of platforming or any platforming at all in the game. There's a lot of walking from side to side and punching people, but that's pretty much it. Now in the game you play as the titular character Swamp Thing and he just walks so funny he essentially is the swamp thing that struts around in this game and i was playing and i was like i just i want to know why he's like strutting like this like why is he walking like this this is so strange you are also allowed to do you have powers in it so you can you can also punch things but your power is that you can change into nearby objects now these nearby objects could be like bats or a log so when you are a log, you can roll. And you can roll on to people. And when I was playing this game, you start in the swamp, as you will. Behind you is an invisible wall that has a bad guy who is behind it who's attacking you. But you cannot reach him because there is an invisible wall. So you have to actually coax the bad guy out far enough to punch him, but he will he will just beat you up mercilessly. So I guess you have to go find a log to turn into. However, there's this big pit as you move along through the game, and you can't jump over it, even if you turn into a bat and try to fly over it you fall down this big pit and you fall down this big fiery pit where you end up in 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 hell I question mark oh yeah that's weird <laughs> It, it's essentially this like big fiery pit and then you're in this underwater lava area where you swim and you punch things while you're swimming and punch things. Eventually you can stumble your way onto the next level, but it's an extremely frustrating game to play. What I've told you already sounds exciting. Couple that with a stiff control scheme and one soundtrack. Not one soundtrack like an entire track of songs. No, no, no. One song that repeats over and over again for the entirety of the game. From what I've read, the prototype of the game also was appears to have been overdumped, which I guess is a thing, where it should have been 512 kilobytes, but after 512 kilobytes, the data repeats itself, so there may be some errors caused because of the overdump, which just sounds weird saying overdump. But yeah, Swamp Thing for the Sega Genesis. One famous prototype that was eventually released was Star Fox 2 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, this game was originally in development around the time the first game was released. Um, however, due to delay in production and the advancement of 3D graphics, it was ultimately canceled in 1995. Because around 1995, the Sony PlayStation was coming out and the Nintendo 64 was right around the corner. So it goes back to that thing, you know, you're not releasing a game on the previous hardware. That's bad. No bueno. It's not going to sell well if you do that. So ultimately, Star Fox 2 was canceled and production began on Star Fox 64 with stuff from Star Fox 2 being incorporated yeah, like into Star story Fox 64. Too, right? Some of the story, yeah. A few prototypes of the game did eventually get leaked, and ROMs showed up on various websites and have been showing up over the years. In fact, um, in the past, I want to say, so I've been going to conventions for many, many years, and I would say a few years ago, maybe around 2015, 2016, I went to a retro game convention and saw I would call them repros or bootlegs of Star Fox 2 being sold, uh, which is weird because it was never released but people as we mentioned will put things onto cartridges and sell them even if they're just prototypes the rom that was leaked 
of the prototype build shows that the game was pretty much completed. In fact, most of the assets are there. The game is fully playable. You can start it at level one, go to level whatever the last level is and see the credits. The game plays like a game. And it's believed around the time it was canceled, about 95% of the game was complete. However, Nintendo said to the developers, the game is canceled, finish the game. And Nintendo made the developers finish the game and completely localize it, even though they had no plans to release it. And they, they told the developers that. They told them we're canceling the game, but you are going to finish this and localize it. They, they, well, they want, they want to just finish it. Yeah. And also, I think Nintendo, even back in the 90s, I think N- Nintendo had the foresight to know that better to have a finished ROM than to have a canceled game. Yeah, I think so. And they had the good foresight because in 2017, the game was officially released on the Super Nintendo Classic Mini System that came out. The yeah. HD mini console contains a bunch of games, but for the first time, Star Fox 2 was available on it. And it's also available on the Switch Super Nintendo app that you can get if you have Switch Online. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so prototype games, I think, are really cool. And they can be kind of a wild place to explore. If you are comfortable with emulation, if you are familiar with emulation, I recommend checking out uh, two websites, The Cutting Room Floor and The Hidden Palace. Both websites do a great job great job at chronicling, categorizing uh, prototypes that have been released over the years for all sorts of games. Uh, despite Hidden Palace's name, it's it's actually not a Sonic exclusive website. Um, they do all sorts of prototypes. Oh, Hidden Palace from Sonic. I got named, you the it's named after It's named after The Hidden That's Palace. That's fun. So, yeah. I was thinking about Legends of the Hidden Temple. No, it's not the Hidden Temple. It's not Kurt Fogg. It's not a secret website. An old Mac. But as we, as we discussed today, the, a lot of these are available for download. You can try them out. You just need to be familiar with using emulators, which um, there's some guides on the website. But if you're not familiar, you can certainly email us. And That's we can, right. Uh, we'll be more than up. happy. We'll be more than happy to teach you how to emulate things legally. Let's now get into our buy, wait, pass segment of this show. I'm excited about buy, waiting, and passing on back for blood which i think actually zach may have also been excited about by waiting or passing on it but it was many moons ago so i can now say back for blood that i'm excited about it is a new left for dead game where you can experience the intense four-player co-op narrative campaign and competitive multiplayer and you can either play as human or I think they ridden which i'm assuming is the zombies and it's it's got a lot of like uh frenetic gameplay and shooting killing things it's what well, i mean it's left for dead three i guess back yeah is there a left well, for, yeah never left, got it's, one, so. it's left for dead three that they're calling back for blood so very exciting i'm was always a big fan of the left for dead series uh i had fun playing with my friends i had fun messing around with strangers and had fun playing games with my brother so i'm sure that uh, zach and i will be picking this game up maybe we'll play it on stream probably not because we're really bad at playing games on stream but we'll probably pick this game up it will be released oh we might actually play this on stream because it'll be released october 12th which will be spooky season which is the season that we play games. If we stream, it's usually once a year. (laughs) And uh, so October 12th is when the game will be released. You can buy it now on Steam. It is MSRPing for $59.99, which is a lot of money for a game. I'll be putting this down as a buy, and I'll be picking it up sometime between now and then. Cool. Well, the game that I am excited about buy, waiting, or passing on is a game called Nobunaga's Ambition Rebirth. Um, so this is a game I only just learned about. I actually only just learned about this whole series. Um, Nobunaga's Ambition is a reimagining of the strategy game series 
Nobunaga's ambition. Um, the first game was released on the Famicom, and the sequel released on the Sega Genesis. And there's been a variety of sequels since then, but I do know that we got the second game in the Sega Genesis on the Sega Genesis here in America. I am unfamiliar with the series, but it's a strategy game, and it's a tactical strategy game, and that sounds cool to me. So I think it's kind of like Civ in a way, but based in that. Um, feudal japan setting if this new game gets a localization here in the united states i will certainly look into it um i do want to try out the genesis version though now that i know it exists because tactical strategy games on the sega genesis sounds like a good time to zach i love when game consoles get games that you don't really expect to be on the game console what like, about hershog well hershog's ways on it yeah and yeah. then in dune battle for arrakis is on the sega genesis which yeah, i just I think, think is... hershog's but hershog's probably better than dune <laughs> probably but still it's just weird to me I, I always think it's weird when there's like strategy games on consoles because you always associate strategy games with pc yeah i'll put this ga- game down as a wait you know i'll, I'll take a look at it I, i'll probably try the genesis version in the meantime who knows maybe that'll be my next recently played but um yeah that's on uh, nobunaga's ambition rebirth in terms of when it's coming out i'm not exactly sure there was a teaser for it in march of 2021 didn't show any gameplay it just kind of showed like the characters and had Nobunaga's face and he was just like smiling and not a lot of information has come out since it seems like the fandom for this game is is there and is excited about the game so I'll keep an eye out I'm always interested in trying new games that I'm unfamiliar with so I'll put it down as a wait because I would like to learn more about this new game before I commit to buying it excellent well that's going to be our prototype games episode yes Seth that is the prototype game episode now let's say you liked this episode a lot and you're curious about some prototypes of different systems or maybe let's say maybe there's a game out there that you want to learn about the history of Uh, maybe you're curious if there's any prototypes of this game available maybe just the idea of us talking about prototypes interested you or maybe you want to learn more about like bootleg games or something like that well what you got to do is you got to send us an email you got to send us an email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com or classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com send us an email we'll be in touch with you Uh, we pretty much always respond to emails unless they're spam so be sure to reach out we will get back in touch and if you have any topic suggestions we're always excited to hear about them now let's say you want to listen to our podcast or you want to tell people about our podcast and you want to tell them where to listen to it well you can tell them that we're available on every single podcasting application that's available that we know about um so we're available on like stitcher itunes iHeartRadio. we're available on all those places so be sure to check us out on those if you haven't yet if you're looking to ch- change up your listening experience and you're worried oh i hope classic gaming brothers is going to be on this other application that i just downloaded most likely we will be but if we're not let us know you can email us you can also send us a contact form on our website classicgamingbrothers.com we have a contact form there so be sure to reach out to us what other things can you do oh by the way we also have social media if you want to reach out to us we have a facebook a twitter and an instagram our facebook and instagram are classic gaming brothers and our twitter is cg brothers pod we also have a twitch twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers we haven't streamed anything on twitch in a while but we probably will sometime soon as a note Seth and I, probably around this time this episode is actually being released, uh, Seth and I are going through a lot of changes in our lives. Seth is getting married and going on vacation, or not vacation, honeymoon, which is like a vacation. It's a vacation you go on with your new spouse. It's Uh, It's a vacation where people give you free stuff. I'm moving, so I'm going to be going through a little bit of changing situation in in my life. So we're still going to be getting content out to you, but just know 
that we probably won't be as active on like Twitch for the next couple. Of, well, not that we've been wicked active in general, but we're, we're not going to be more active anyway in the next couple of months or next couple of weeks. So just know that. Don't think we're ignoring you. If, if you notice we're not super active on social media right now, just know that there's some stuff going on. So we are we are busy bees. We are people who have lives. But we should have an episode every Sunday. Yes, we will have an episode every Sunday. Now, if you want to support us, one of the best things you can do is you can write us a review on iTunes and rank us on iTunes. That's a great way to support us. Helps that algorithm, helps people find us. If you like us and review us on any of the podcasting applications, that's also excellent and we really appreciate it. Um, you know, five stars, all that things, ring bells, thumbs ups, all, all the things that you can do to possibly raise awareness of our podcast will help us. However, just listening to us is is support enough and we, we do appreciate you listening to us. Don't feel obligated to do anything that you don't want to do. Um, just, you know, listen to us, enjoy us. That's all we want. Um, we do have some shirts available on our website. We recently updated our website with some shirts. So check out our website. If you want to pick up a cozy t-shirt, um, you know, pick one up They They are nice. I actually need to pick up, I need to grab one of the new ones. I want to grab one of the new ones before we go to, um, the next convention. So anyway, thank you everyone for listening today. That's everything. That's it. We're done. Did I forget something? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, how does that Swamp Thing song go? He's a Swamp Thing. Swamp thing. <laughs> he is amazing. amazing.